The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello? Can you hear me now? Good evening, and welcome to Marlin 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy, and my guest this evening is Greg Lucy. For those of you unaware of that, my son, and among other things, he's had experiences in government, both as a city councilor at large, a member of the school committee, and he currently... Um, Operates and owns the Edwin C. Lucy Insurance Agency on Eastern Avenue. So there's a plug in there somewhere for business. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight, and we don't have competition from the Red Sox because uh, they're, they're preparing for the end of the week, and the Yankees don't come on until 8 o'clock tonight. So, um, And what we do have is uh, within a few weeks, as a matter of fact, uh, just about a month from now, we're going to have a, a state election. And um, there's some issues involved, not only in terms of the candidates that are running for the different offices, but also the ballot questions. And I thought maybe to start off the program, we'd talk a little bit about um, the ballot people that you have to choose from. I, a couple of interesting things. One is in um, the ballot that, that uh, people will have here in Malden, it depends on where you live for state representative. We're fortunate, or perhaps unfortunate, to have three different representatives represent us, one of whom is from Melrose, one of whom is from Medford, Medford and the third one is from Malden. From Malden. <laughs> so they wear different hats, and um, th th that's a little bit of an interest. I also, in looking over for the, um, the state offices, um, uh, Billy um, Galvin, who had a very hotly contested primary, which he won by a substantial amount, which was a bit surprising, I think, to some people, uh, considering it was a kind of a negative campaign. Um, th th he has two opponents. So he has, a, he has not only the re a Republican opponent, but he also has... Um, a one Chen says who is from the Green Party, I guess it is. So, anyway, but historically in, in recent years, other than the governorship, we're currently, which is uh, Charlie Baker, who's a Republican, um, for the most part, those offices are pretty much decided ahead of time as it, with the Democrats winning. There's also um, a contested election for Catherine Clark, which I wasn't even aware of. It's a low-profile low election. I haven't heard much at all about that candidate. It usually is when they don't stand a chance. Yeah. You know, it's quiet. It's yeah. And um, also for governor's council, uh, Terry Kennedy has an opponent, which I didn't even know until I kind of looked through this. And again, when I, when I saw the name, uh, he's a perennial candidate. I think he's from Winchester, if not, I'm not mistaken. And he's run over the years for a number of different things. Um, Jason Lewis has an opponent. He does. And it, it's interesting. I, I She had lawn signs out even before... Um, you know the the primary election, and I, I didn't know even recognize the name, Aaron. Um, what is it, Aaron something? It's a hyphenated yeah, name. Yeah, small print. That's um, Aaron Calvo Becky. Right. So what's interesting about her now? She was on the ballot in 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 September in September for the Republican primary, and she was unopposed, and she only got fifty five percent of the vote. So blanks would have gotten forty five percent, which and that that would have been ballots just taken by Republicans during the primary. So that is, a, that is an extremely high uh, uh, vote for blanks in her vote, which is, you know, 55% when you're not running against anybody. So that, that would say to me or suggest to me, and it's probably good for Jason, is that she's not even well known amongst the Republicans. 
Yeah. Uh, um, th- it must be uh, an Everett connection there somewhere, oh, uh, uh, although that's not in the uh, – Everett is in the district because I was at a, uh, uh, a meeting last week in, at uh, Anthony's for the Lions Club, and there was a, an, a fundraiser, a benefit upstairs for her, and a couple of people came in that I know, and they're from Everett. So for, in some fashion, there, there must be – whether it's a, f- a family thing or a business thing, uh, and, of course – um, being from Everett, they might give her a check, but they can't give her a vote. Uh, what's probably more surprising in, in that election that in Jason Lewis, who's been a very uh, active state senator, um, had a, a close election here in Marlin for re-election, for yeah. re-nomination, and um, he only won by a handful of votes, which was, his final total was close to 2,000 for the whole district. But the candidate against him was from Melrose, and she, of course, carried Melrose. She did well in Wakefield. And Jason made up the difference in, in Reading and in uh, Stoneham and, 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 and in Winchester, but he only has half of Winchester. He, ca- he, he only carried more than a handful of votes. Yeah, that was one vote. Someone had texted me the results that night, and when they texted me that, that Jason had only won by 34 votes in Walden, my response to that person was, you better check because that has to be wrong. Yeah. To me, Jason had so much going for him uh, in this city. I mean, he's been, I mean, he's been around since he, he won. He, you know, he's, he's been elected. Uh, he actually works very well with uh, the city of Malden officials. And if you look at the support that he had in Malden, I, I think every single city council, every school committee person. That was the, a Democrat. The Democrat, but yeah. the mayor's office. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he had a ton of support. He had a, uh, an office uh, right down here on the corner near the uh, senior center. Yeah, the former bank. Yeah. All, all the press from the Malden Advocate, which at this point, because print, print papers, they don't carry a lot of weight and there's not much people reading them, but the Advocate, people do pick it up because it's free. I mean, the last six, eight weeks in the, towards the election, Jason, you know, received a ton of positive support, positive uh, articles in the city, so... I was um, I was really shocked. I was surprised that that he, he that he was only able to win by such a small amount in Malden. Yeah, and and um, some of the things that Greg alluded to in terms of the the, the newspapers, uh, they weren't just puff pieces. They were and, and, and they weren't ads. They were actually cheap and said he were announced whether it was money for different reasons here locally or for co-sponsoring building of interest for the to consumers or for people in general. So. But that that kind of a broad support on the surface, along with his individual support he received from a lot of people across the city, who are involved and active involved in politics, um, the, the the bottom resu- bottom line results were kind of surprising. And uh, you think any of it might be just as the year of the women? I mean, his well, opponent was a, a, a woman from uh, Melrose who has some credibility. So give her in fairness to her. She did, but that that's a tough haul. You're running in a state. You know, it's hard enough running uh, your first time out no matter what you're running for, but you run in a, a state senate district against the incumbent. Like I say, J- Jason's very active. Jason has done uh, what he's supposed to do for all the cities and towns. Um, you know, he, he's the person already in there. Just just get your name out and get yeah. people to remember your name. And you're trying to do it in six communities. Um, you know, in, in Malden, I just didn't, I, you know, I, I, I know Sam Hammer had some support, of people that maybe really follow the political landscape, but if you talk to you know Joe Q. Public, um, I'm not so sure people wouldn't even know who she was. So, to get that many votes in the city, it's you know I, I think it goes back to I believe there's a the voted the voting has changed. There's a different vote, and um, maybe Sam Hammer did a lot of the social media stuff. Uh, she got some votes somehow, and. Um, if you look at uh, that whole the whole election, if you went down, you know, um, uh, Marion Ryan lost in Malden for district attorney, but but she was able to, you know, win the win the race because of other cities and towns, and she ran against, uh, you know, she, the, an attorney, but young attorney with look good on paper. So Marion didn't even carry um, Malden. You had um, well, it wasn't a woman's vote. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, oh, getting back to your original question, I've been saying for about a year now. And I'm more convinced than ever that this will be the year not only of women getting elected, but women having a, a real say because I just think that the, um, you know, even you can bring in the Washington thing and, you know, that, that whole circus that's going on there. And I, I think women and the independ- the independents 
are just go, going to have a lot of say from here on in on the elections. Well, and um, when I was looking even at the numbers in Malden, um, considering the f that it was a, a, an incumbent well-known for having established his identity since the winning two years ago, there was uh, almost 10% of the people blanked it. There was almost 400 blanks in And that's Malden. in Jason's race, the state yeah, center race? Yeah, 400, yeah, there was almost 400 blanks, and there were a little over four, four, 4,500 people voted. So. Mm. Um, Again, there were people that, uh, for whatever reason, walked away and didn't vote for any either of the two candidates. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. But if, if you if you peered up uh, Jason and Sam Hammer, I don't I, the difference in, in in their views on things. It's not a whole lot of difference. No. Uh, it's, it's quite similar in most cases. So, you know, again, I, I think, uh, you know, Jason would have the pulse of the people. I think he's he's on the right side of a lot of issues. Maybe some people find him too liberal. Not sure, but. Um, you know, those voting in the primary tend to be a different vote anyway. So, I, you know, I, I just really surprised that it was that close. Yeah. Well, in, in all likelihood, based on the past histories of elections, especially when you start picking and choosing between a Republican and a Democrat, I would be very surprised if the if the election in Malden or elsewhere would be that close when they do the numbers for the state senate race. I, I doubt it. But, you know, and, I, and I'm just going back to yeah. uh, his opponent's primary numbers when you're not running against anybody and to only get 55% of the vote. Yeah. Usually you should be yeah. able to get at least 75% yeah. when, yeah. You're not run, when you're running on a post. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, I, I think it's very telling. Yeah. One thing, I, my own observation, and, and, and I haven't talked to you about it uh, up to now, but that um, already for a, s a period of several weeks now, uh, Governor Baker has been running ads. ton of ads. On, on, he's got a big, big, big war chest, and uh, he certainly... Um, Try to separate, as uh, like most Republicans across the country, separate himself from the president and and the and the type of administration currently in Washington. And um, the um, the Democratic candidate obviously has limited amount of money. And when you when you're perceived as a loser in an election ahead of time, it's hard to get those people that write the big checks to come aboard. It, it's, so I haven't seen anything at all from Gonzalez. And I think he has a story to tell, and I think, as, and I mentioned it in, in the previous show that I do do here, that there's things in terms of transparency it, that Governor Baker has not been um, fulfilling the, his commitment when he ran it to get elected the first uh, time he was successful as governor because uh, there's a lot of uh, events that have, that have been involved with local, with not only local government, but at the at the state level, whether it's the state police. Uh, the court system, a whole bunch of other issues, and and he talks a good game. Uh, he had it not that he criticized him for he can't be always um, responsible for your family members, but there was an incident involved his son uh, on a plane that's been kind of buried and and been been not very well exposed at all. It's still under investigation apparently, but there's no records out there. Nobody's talking about it, and not that he should be blamed for that, but. It almost seems like uh, to me that the the less said in his part, the more he can convince his, just through the, the surface stuff, the super superficial stuff, and he's going to get reelected. What he'll accomplish the next time around, I don't know. But yeah, you, if you if you look at that race, it's five weeks till the election, yeah. and uh, Jay Gonzalez, uh, you know, I've met him several times. He does have a story to tell, but it's just so hard to get a, any attention, yeah. any to gain any traction, and, and a lot of that has to do. Again, what's going down in Washington D.C.? That seems to be the focus. It's just you know, there's there's a new event every day, and it's just as far as the news cycle and news media, they're focusing on that. So I, the governor's race, if if you ask most people, they think Baker's going to win the race. So there, there seems to be not much interest in that. Um, Baker didn't do that well in the primary. Uh, well, you know, that's the part he, I was. Yeah, so glad right, you brought he, that he, up. He got 55 percent of the vote, which wasn't that great. But there again, I mean, you have a, some of the, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, not, wait, let me, let me retract that. There's some people that, that support Trump in the Republican Party, and they probably hold it against uh, Baker because he has tried to distance himself with it. And they may find, you know, others may not find him conservative enough. But, uh, you know, up to this point, most people, I think, believe that Baker's a moderate Republican, and that seems to play in the state for governor. Yeah. Um the candidate that ran against him in the primary, and that's unusual uh, in, a, in a race like this, particularly in the Republican side, to have uh, an incumbent governor 
contested in a primary, and this and in this instance, the other person ran a very gr- aggressive campaign, extremely conservative, and um, there was over a third of the vote it made. First of all, he got a third of a vote in the con- in the um, in the convention, which made him eligible to run on the September primary. You have to get at least fifteen percent. He got about a thirty percent. And those people in the, in the convention that got up, that stood up and put their names in support of him, they recognize and and that their their vote is going to be well known to the office of the governor. And these are people that are and often times uh, entrenched long t- long term in Republicans in the in, in the state. So he lively the name of the person that ran against the uh, governor Baker got a third of the vote of the convention, got a third of the vote in November in, in September. And in some cases, that might suggest that even if these people vote in November, maybe they'll do the blank thing. Mm. And that uh, the last poll that I saw uh, mentioned in television the other day was that it's about a 68% favor Baker. And and there's a, a segment of the remaining people that are undecided or didn't commit themselves. So that puts Gonzalez below 30%, which is... Um, uh, obviously, the result of what the people think is going to happen in no, in November, and uh, makes it um, suge- uh, makes it in almost un- unlikely under uh, unless an unusual set of circumstances occur in a few time, a little bit of time remaining, that that he has any chance at all. If he, if there's any consolation to Gonzalez, uh, the second term that Welt ran, he overwhelmingly defeated a, rep- a Democrat by the name of Roosevelt, and I think Roosevelt's total return in terms of the vote was under 30 percent he was a state representative which he came became a sacrificial lamb left government and politics and left massachusetts became the head of the pittsburgh pittsburgh school system because there was a strong issue at that time for for education bills that were that had just been enacted and i think roosevelt thought that was his ticket to, to success and since then he's now Doing the same thing as it's for a city in in Arizona, I believe. So mm. anyway, he had a life after politics, but it wasn't in Massachusetts. But when you say sacrificial lamb in in Massachusetts, it's supposed to be the Republicans that are <laughs> put up for sacrificial lambs, yeah, not the Democrats. Yeah. I think Gonzalez will do better than that. Um, I I think he'll get some votes in the end, but he, he has a tough. He's going to have a tough go for it because if you if you're watching TV or you're listening to the radio. Not that advertisement wins election, but it certainly helps. And the, they're all positive pieces with, with Baker. You see him on TV smiling. He's touching all the, you know, the bases that you need to do, and everything's great. And they did have the billion-dollar surplus plus this year. So Which it, is, no, in a lot of ways, no credit to him. doesn't matter. It's, yeah. You know, it's still there. So that's, that's, those are tough things to overcome. Yeah. yeah the, uh, the other thing is, one final comment about Baker, uh, Lewis's race is that uh, I talked to someone co- connected to his campaign recently, and they did a blitz uh, canvas of the city of Malden uh, a couple of, started a couple of weeks before the election in September. And at that time, they, they, their polls or their, their whatever sampling they were doing suggested that it was going to be like a two-to-one end, uh, end result in Malden in terms of a 60, approximately 65% of the vote for Jason and the remainder going to his opponent. And... Uh, it ended up as, as they started knocking doors and talking to people. They got the sense that the mood was shifting, and that's why at the end they they realized it was going to be a lot closer in Malden than they expected even two weeks before the, the election. So yeah, well, just so people know out, out in your audience too, Malden's a third of the district. Yeah. So usually you would usually you, a Malden candidate, uh, you know, most of the times could could make a, a good run at that state senate seat because it's a third of the district. Uh, that's 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 a big part of. Uh, you know the whole the whole thing. So and so, you know again, um, you know just for for a second, if I can touch, you know the Sam Hammer vote was it was kind of surprising. Donna Patalano, who ran against Marion Ryan and Peter and Malden, the sitting district attorney. So you have these couple of votes, and you kind of look at the vote and say, geez, why? How did that happen? Because then you turn around and you you get someone like Bill Galvin, who the Secretary of State. If you thought of somebody that could have been right for the plucking would have been, you know, Josh Zakem against Galvin. And in Malden, uh, I don't think this was like City Ride, but but uh, um, uh, Galvin beat him by, th- I mean, he beat him by, uh, uh, I got the, he, he, he got almost 60% of the vote in Malden. And statewide, they got almost uh, more than that. 
You got more than sixty percent across the state, which uh, and he had aggressive ep- opponent and. He he did as well as he would normally do in a November against a Republican, although it has been imposed previously by in a primary. But yeah, he, he uh, I think he got close to sixty six, sixty seven percent statewide. And that's that's so so somewhere around here. It's hard pe- for people to remember challenges names. Yeah. But Zakem around here because of the bridge, you could remember it. Yeah. But maybe the western part of the state, they have the Zakem Bridge. Maybe they don't know about. <laughs> so so even when Zakem. At the Democratic convention, Zakem got the nod over in Galvin. That's another thing that's a, which propelled him a little bit. You give you yourself some legitimacy running against a 24-year uh, person or how many years Galvin has served. But that's about it. But it's the uh, you know it's the type of thing where the vote the the people that go to the convention tend to be more liberal, very active, and you can see why a challenger like Zakem could overcome an incumbent with all that that uh, Galvin would bring to the table. Yeah. And uh, one observation, um, uh, as an extension of that, when they when he got interviewed, this was before the actual election. He, he offered out the possibility that this might be the last time he's going to be running. And I don't know whether he did that to maybe uh, get a little bit of a sympathy from maybe some in regular voters or whatever the reason. But I'm inclined to think, at, at based on his longevity in politics and his uh, and all the part of it that goes with it. That um, that might be true the day he said it, but if he, four years from now when it's t- when it's time to run again, it might be if no one on the horizon is going to challenge him, he might decide. Well, maybe I'll do another four years. Yeah, just <laughs> you, you serve all those years in one position. Yeah. You can't tell me you're as jazzed up in the twenty fifth year you're going to work as you did the first. So, yeah. no. um, you know that that's a long time to serve yeah. in one position. Yeah, and it could be that it would prompt you to leave office at that point. Uh, it might be the, the, the as Greg suggested, you know, that you're not challenged as you were one time. The novelty's worn off, but um, with all those years of service he has, he's getting the maximum pension. And uh, considering that when you when you factor in the pension that you receive, there's no state income tax on your pension if you're a retired state or, or city or county employee, um, and um, you're not making the contribution that you had to pay into the pension. So when you add those two things together, it almost suggests for a lot of people, and that's part of the reason why sometimes people do retire, I'm working for nothing. And that, and that happens a lot. It yeah. happens in you know if you're a teacher in the school system. I mean, really, do you get that uh, person anymore that you know gets to be the age, gets the 30-some-odd years, and you know they're coming to work, and like you say, they're not paying the 11% into the reti- city re- teacher retirement system and other things, and if you add it all up, you're actually making less coming to work than you are when you come. Yeah. yeah. So, well, time will tell about November, but um, also as part of that, there's three ballot questions. And if you want to be confused mm. when you're driving around, um, on question number one, and that's the question that says vote yes and vote no, it's both of the signs that are on the lawns. And by the way, I have one in my lawn to vote yes. <laughs> Um, because uh, my daughter's a nurse, and that would be obviously a legitimate reason why I have that sign there at her, at her request. But um, the colors of the, sign, of the signs are the same. One says yes, and one says no. And, and um, I think for a lot of people, uh, th- and there's been a lot of money spent. You see ads now on television. You see doctors urging you not to vote yes. And you also have a nurse getting on saying, vote yes. And so... The question is, say, for the average person not connected to the medical profession or not having need of, of uh, medical services in hospitals, or you, what side is the best choice? In um, well, I got to be honest with you. We can't, we touched upon this a little bit before the uh, camera came on. I, I'm a believe, you know, I, I have nothing, no problem with things getting on the ballot, but sometimes I just think some questions probably shouldn't be there. Because what ends up happening in this, in this, in this um, question number one is a perfect example. You have a ton of money spent from outside sources. They come in, uh, interest groups and that sort of thing. You have commercials saying you that it, it's uh, the nurses are telling you to vote yes on one. Then there's another commercial, nurses and doctors are telling you to vote no on question one. So it's very confusing. So, you know, so all, all, all this, you know, so you leave it up to the voter. They're getting all this mixed messages. I have a vote yes on question one on my lawn as well. My sister 
like you, oh. <laughs> asked me to put it up. So, of course, I said yes. Her being a nurse probably about 35 years, she would understand the issue a lot better than I would. But, um, And I had someone actually ask me, "Is what, what, what are the nurses? She had saw that commercial about the nurses say vote no on question one. She asked me why I had that, question, that sign up on my lawn. I said, well, my sister's a nurse. She asked me to put it up. She goes, but I thought the nurses were against it. So it ends up confusing the voter, and, and so— That's the intent, I think. Well, that's what the intent is. So a lot of times when, when people get these ballot questions, I'm not so sure the, you know, people really understand it or if they're influenced by, um, you know, outside advertising, which this isn't the only issue that's happened with that. I mean, when the charter school uh, question was on the ballot, there was a ton of outside— um, you know, a lot of outside the state and, you know, putting money into the situation. So it, it can be very confusing. So, you know, I don't think all times that the ballot questions are a good idea to be on the ballot. I just think probably they're getting votes either way that maybe pe people don't really understand the question because sometimes they can be confusing. Right. There was an old adage years ago, and it was more common to have multiple questions on the ballot, things that tend to... Uh, have taper off in most elections recently, but the the, the philosophy was at the time was when you got to a ballot question, uh, when in doubt, vote no. Mm -hmm. And um, this is an instant where the no vote is really, uh, in in theory, in opposed to what eighty four or eighty five percent of nurses are supporting a yes vote. But there, uh, hospitals, uh, medical uh, sources, and other people within the state um, are suggesting to vote no, but. A couple of the main points that I'd just like to touch on, um, they have to do with the number of assignments for patients. And, and, and if you read it in detail, uh, it, it would appear that a lot of the prerogative of, of, of medical professionals um, are being taken away and from hospitals by the virtue of the restrictive nature of the choices that, that are included in the question. The maximum patient assignment during birth and for up to two hours immediately postpartum is, is one nurse responsible for the mother and for each baby. And uh, one nurse whose sole responsibility is the baby. When the condition of the mother and the, and the children are determined to be stable and the critical elements are met, one nurse may care for both the mother and the babies. Well, that, that seems like a lot of uh, help. But then it goes on and it breaks out that if there's a, a care issue, then... It, then um, you, it's almost a one-on-one -on -one situation, and then I then I thought to myself, what about if there's multiple births? And uh, even though it's from the same mother, in, in multiple births, uh, the maximum patient assignment of intermediate care or continuous care babies is two babies per nurse. So, and then there's a lot of other things that are involved that you really, in fairness to the issue, you should you should read the thing through, and it take me the whole show to detail it and all. But one of the things why I think it may not pass, separate from, from maybe the, the, the issue itself, is that the, the opponents of it are suggesting that the cost will be, um, I got the figure here somewhere, um, I don't know, 70 million, let's see, I, re, I don't recall the exact number, but it's like $70 million. And that, that will be reflected on... Um, not only with the cost, uh, where does the cost ultimately go? Well, it goes to the ruined board charges. It goes to the claims that go in on insurance companies. It, it, it goes to the people pocket if they don't have insurance. So, what the question is, it, that are supporting no votes is saying to you: don't vote for it because the, this cost of seventy million dollars a year in additional expenses related to the added personnel required to maintain the levels that the bill requires or the or the uh, question require is that you'll have increased rates charged for your health insurance and that's whether you're in the private sector or the public sector you'll end up if you don't have insurance you're always going to pay more out of your pocket and again the other part about that is that the hospitals are going to take any other costs that are related to that like the, the indirect costs which is salaries and health insurance and on and on and on and they have to pass it on to the to the people that are uh, use their services so that uh, you're talking about uh, a large amount of money being, and, that, and when you do the numbers, that number, $70 million or whatever that uh, I, I had highlighted that I can't find at the moment, is going gonna, is gonna to scare some people. So even though they're concerned about care when they're in the hospital, 
They might decide they want to spend more money for their health insurance or more for out-of-pocket costs. Mm. You know, there was, in the beginning, there, there, a, a few months back, there was, there was going to be eight questions, not three. Oh, but five, that's right. But five, five got uh, for one reason or another. But one, there was another nursing uh, ballot question that didn't make it. Uh, there was the millionaire's tax that the Supreme Court uh, said it wasn't legal. Well, that's a surtax. Sur the surtax. So the be if the millionaire's tax, so four yeah. percent of top of the five point one percent. Right. Um, because of the the the, the illegal illegality of his is you're raising money, and then you're telling how to spend it. So it it, it was it would go to education or um, uh, infrastructure. Yeah. And then there was three other questions that uh, they had the minimum wage. That was going to go to fifteen dollars. That the state, the state, the legislature took up and they signed into law, or you know, prog progressively getting the fifteen million. And then uh, there was there was two other items. So there was five ballots questions that were going to be on this. That for one reason or other, yeah, uh, they were they were flawed. They were flawed. And um, that that one for the surplus taxes, they, they do that in some other states. And and. Uh, not that I, um, I, uh, I don't think it's a good idea to, to uh, tax, the, soak the rich because they're the ones that can pay it. But it, in some ways, it often it turns out as a, dis a disadvantage financially because as it's happened in, in New Jersey and, and, and New York who have high tax rates for individuals, but tax, state tax purpose, people leave the state if they can. And uh, the result is that they, uh, uh, rather than... In New Jersey, rather than get more money, they, it's, they get, they're actually getting less money since they raised the uh, the tax uh, surplus tax on on income. Yeah, I mean Massachusetts is on the minority with a flat tax of the five point one. Right. Yeah. You know, so that we don't have a progressive tax, so that that was one of the ones that got nixed. Yeah. Yeah, I did finally find it. It says the proposed law may affect both state and municipal revenue and expenditures, with state-owned hospitals required to expand between an estimated. Sixty-eight million to seventy and to up to maybe almost seventy-five million annually to comply with the required law, and um, it's going to cost uh, over a million dollars to monitor the, the different hospitals. So anyway, um, uh, for the, anybody that uh, wants to uh, seriously look at that question, study it mm -hmm. because it's a uh, it's complicated and might have uh, impact on people after the fact, and maybe it's a bit more regulation than most people are concerned about. But Second question is about li limited, co uh, this is a ballot question, is limiting election spending and corporate rights. I don't know, uh, it's, I, don't, I don't even know, and I, I'm meaning to look into it. When a corporation um, donates money to a campaign, uh, like a, 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 pres a kind of a, just a, a political, not, not like the fake ones they give with the presidential inauguration where they can, they can write it off of public relations, but ones where they just support um, a candidate is it for a corporate base? Is it, would that be, that can't be tax Free deductible, speech. can it? Uh, no, I doubt it. I wouldn't think so. But the the problem is, is the money. I mean, if you look at the problems we have, I mean, one, it, with elections, one of the things that that is a huge huge issue and it's, it needs to be addressed is is the money in campaigns. I mean. To have no campaign finance laws or, or, or making corporations because of free speech that they can donate all the money they want to certain causes, and you get all those PACs coming in, and it's uh, uh, again it gets back to the, the what's truth what's the truthful advertisement that they're doing. I saw I saw a figure today on on that that not to change gears on Kavanaugh, but they've spent eighteen and a half million dollars so far, pro and con, mostly pro for Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. And if you think about that, $18.5 million, how many votes are you really going after? Because it's probably only five or six potential people that are either potentially sitting on the fence or they could be swayed. So, you know, they're spending all these money in the, in the, um, the states that these people are senators, but you're spending all that money to get five or s to sway five or six people. And that, that's the part, you know, that there's just money being spent in politics and uh, you know uh, things like you know to do with politics that it's just outrageous. And if they don't get a hold on it, you know I can't see why it's a good thing for the for the country. But 
this here is just setting up a commission to study it, I believe, this question number two, to go forward, and they're going to put 15 people on a uh, Oh, yeah, commission. citizens, yeah. yeah Non-paid, George. Non-paid. You know, uh, every, uh, the governor gets three, secretary of state gets three. Right. There'll be 15 citizens to, to more or less study the issue. So, I, I mean, I can't see why that would be a bad thing, given all the, given all the money spent being spent in uh, politics. Well, except it, it, it might end up um, encouraging people to, um, I don't think is even surface much as an issue has it, so maybe the thing will fly through and that'll be, that'll be a study com commission and that'll be the end of it. But I, but I do think there's legitimate reasons why um, it should be taking a hard look at the way uh, individuals and, and uh, corporations can spend money on campaigning because... It's the what do they call it? The milk, uh, the milk of, uh, of of politics is money, and unfortunately, whether it's the drug companies sometimes, and they've got some issues recently in some of the things that with opiates, that the candidates that run for office, you think are in your corner, and yet sometimes when you watch the unfolding of the of bills that go in place, sometimes the issues that you are concerned about, by the time it's finally passed, it's culminate the votes. It's watered down, so it's not as effective as it should be. And then in other instances, people don't vote for the people that that, uh, that they represent. They vote for the people who give them the money, and they don't even live in the state where they they reside. But the, the, that's a more more important to satisfy them than it is to take care of the people that you, that you do will represent. Because especially with senators, you run every six years. By the time some of those issues come up in your election. People forgot that you you didn't support them four or five mm -hmm. years before. But so. if you get someone like a congressman that runs every two, yeah. as soon as they're elected, they're starting to raise money for the next campaign. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they spend you know, a good part of their time yeah. as a congressperson raising yeah. money. Yeah. Well, the greatest example of that that, uh, that came to my mind is that, um, now you'll have to give me his name, he's, a, he's the head of the state colleges now. He's a former congressman from Lowell. Oh, Marty Meehan. Marty Meehan, now there's 435 seats in the Congress. There's 50 states, so you have 100 senators. But of the 435 uh, seats in the Congress, Marty Meehan had the largest campaign account. I think if, I'm, if I, my memory serves me correct, he literally had like $5 million or close to it in his campaign. He represents Lowell. He represents Lawrence, where probably... Uh, when you when you're going through this gas thing with Columbia Gas, most of the people are interview, interviewing for Lawrence. English is a second language, but more important than that, he, and they said in his case he was dialing for dollars. That's getting on the phone and asking for contributions. And when he he finally left office to become president of the colleges, and he had applied for other jobs in like Suffolk University before he got the one he does have. Uh, I think he gave. At some point, um, to Suffolk University, a university of Lowell, a couple of million dollars he did, spread he around. Said, he did. Yeah. And he still has a ton of money in his mm. campaign after giving away a lot of money because he left office unexpectedly. He was literally, once he, he got elected, uh, uh, he really didn't get any kind of opposition. And um, in fact, he was one of those congressmen when he first got elected that he was going to serve a certain Terminals. number of time, and he was, I think it was four. And uh, that was it. But once he got in and, and the comfort of being a, in Washington, he stayed longer than his fourth mm. terms. And now he's doing even better. But I had, over the weekend, I got 16 emails from, say, Sally, Sally and Sunday yep. by Monday morning. 16 emails solicited for donations. For Me. For political candidates? For political candidates. Well, I get that many, uh, but I get to, from charities. So when you, they get you on the list, they never give up on you. Even and in some instances, I don't even give to them, and, they, and, and, and I can't understand why they multiple year, uh, ones a year. But your case, but, I'm saying you're 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 a prime. But, I, but I, I'll give to more. I'll give more locally than I will in the 16. Some of them were by the same person, like Beto in Texas. Oh yeah. So you get on those lists. I think I had four from him. Oh. Now, I'm rooting for good old Beto down in Texas to beat <laughs> Ted Cruz, right? Yeah. But I'm saying, geez, I'd be hard-pressed. I mean, where, where do you draw the line, yeah. I guess? But, you know, then there's, there's Act Blue. You get uh, – you know, it, it was it was nonstop. It just it, – you know, and then they give you the uh, the matching donation for the, every – you match. Someone's going to yeah. match it with 500%. Then yeah. when you don't give, 
they sent something back saying, oh, geez, we didn't make it, but we can. they've extended it a day. You know? oh, yeah. I so, got that one today from uh, uh, someone's going to – this was uh, – um, I shouldn't. I won't say the charity because I, I'm not sure which one. They, someone was going to make a, a $500,000, and um, – they they sent me a notice. They've extended it. The response was so great. They, they've extended the uh, the matching, which which suggests that they didn't get as much money as a half a million. Right. Or if they did, they're lying to get more money. Because if they got it matched for the five hundred thousand, why would they send you another request to, uh, and extend it? Well, they didn't probably get it. And if they did get it, they said, well, we'll we'll see if we can get some more money from people. So yeah. I know yeah. what I won't do now anymore. I, I won't give over the phone. People call solicit. I. You know, there's a lot of good organizations yeah. out there, but there's a lot of funny organizations. Plus, the people at the end of the end of the phone, they they probably get as much as seventy or eighty percent from whatever they're well. collecting, and uh, so th that's one thing I won't do when they call on the phone. I won't. Yeah, that's a valid answer because uh, they're professional solicitors, yeah. solicitors, and a good portion of what you're sending in is uh, uh, commission and expenses related to phoning you. I had that happen a while back where I, I there was a particular group I do give to. And uh, I was uh, I was about ready to send the check, and they wanted me to do this special envelope so it'd be earmarked for their credit. And I said, no, I'll do it my own way. Mm. But anyway, one other final point about that. Uh, oh, the third the third ballot question is is, is one that uh, I, I don't see would have much support. Um, it has to do with changing the the, the laws involving transgender people. So I, I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, they. In, in some ways, they have a difficult situation in life as it is. I can't imagine there'd be um, uh, too much support in this state. I'm not saying for the rest of the country, right. of discrimination against transgender people. But that's one of those questions. If you vote yes, you're not supporting the transgenders. Uh, yeah. You're supposed to vote no. So that's another one when you say just because how they had a word that? No, it says here, a yes vote will keep in place the current law which prohibits discrimination on the basis of gender identity in places in of public accommodation. Well, right, that, you, you that might end up as a uh, that's not as a easy a question as I thought. A no, a no vote would repeal what's in there. Okay, yeah. so I guess that's that's yeah. clear. That yeah. for some reason I thought that was one of those questions that they said that uh, yeah. it was confusing. Yeah. Uh, one other final thing for, for those of you out there, whether it's you or someone you know. Um, if they haven't got a uh, round to voting now as yet, uh, they can vote on election day. You can vote by absentee ballot. You can have early voting since it's a state election, and so so for people it's easy to they keep making it easier to vote, and the result is that um, by making it easier it seems less people vote. But for those people who haven't registered or, or, but would like to vote and maybe think about voting. You have until the seventeenth of October, so if you vote, if you register at the town or city where you live by the seventeenth of October, you're eligible to vote. And as a matter of fact, you could register to vote and vote and vote the same day by early voting. So that would be an incentive to, to get your opinion on uh, in actual re realities of the election. And if I could just piggyback on that, I, the, the the numbers of the voting, it's just it's it's not it's not good. I mean, it's, it's been going down. People just don't vote. I think with all that's going on today, if if you're not jazzed up about voting or you don't want to be part of the, you know, the process here, you you don't deserve the right to vote. I mean, how can you? I mean, we had in 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 Malden there was 18 percent of the vote in the primary, and I thought that was good. That was more than I thought was going to go out there. 18 percent. It was. And that's that's you know the bar is so low with the with the who votes. It's yeah. and and like you say, it's it's so much easier. I mean, you remember the days absentee ballot? You had to get them notarized. Now you can get an absentee ballot. You can go vote over the counter. You know, as soon as the ballots are printed, there's just so much more more time you have, and so so much easier. So there's really no excuse not to yeah. not not to get out there and vote. To switch gears for a moment, uh, there's there's a discussion at the local level allow 16 year and older people to vote. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I uh, well, I remember. Uh, I wish I had followed up on this. Probably about five or six years ago. I, I actually went into the high school and registered kids to vote. I think I was might have been with, uh, I'm trying to think who did it with me. I remember I made up pens, you know, hey, I, I, I registered to vote today, and I put the date that I was there. And I got about 80-somewhat, 80 84 kids that registered. And I should have followed up to see how many voted, and I never did. Yeah. You know, but um, I, I struggle with it a little bit. I, I, I mean, I, I will think it's a good process in that, um, kids learn 
civic duty. So there, there's a bunch of kids that are looking to do it, you know, and they get to see how, uh, you know, government works, which is good. And I, but I, you know, again, I, you know, I, I don't have an opinion on it right now. Uh, I can see why people would say, well, geez, maybe it's not a good idea. I can see why people say it is a good idea. That's, that's kind of a lousy answer. I give the kids a lot of credit for um, trying to do it. You know, I give you know just to try to go out and try to do it, and uh, where it goes, I just where people just don't vote. I I don't know if sixteen year olds will vote. I don't know if seventeen year olds will vote. I mean, we can't even get the adults to vote. So I think you know maybe some time's being spent on something that you know other than a it's a good um, civic project. Uh, I would tend to you know I, I would have my doubts that it's a good idea. Well, the intent is only, to, and they do it other, some other places, but the intent is you, you, you can only vote on local elections. Local elections, yeah. right. And, uh, uh, one theory I have is that maybe what we ought to do is that um, ha- make it tougher to vote. Instead of making it easier, we do, we're doing all these things to accommodate the public. One advantage of the early voting, which is maybe the major advantage that I can think of, is on a, on a national election with the president, the, the percentage of voting nationwide is in excess of 60%. Massachusetts tends to be about 70%. And uh, uh, the result is that there are lines at the polls when they're not normally with the local elections or with the state election. Sometimes the weather makes it even more, more of an issue. But past any of that, they also have... The, they may have ballot questions on that, so if people stop and read the ballot questions, that, that creates another delay. So uh, early voting and absentee voting um, in, its, in its various forms makes some sense on national elections But because uh, most people that they're going to vote do anyway. But even then, when you think about it, 30% of the people don't vote. They're eligible to vote. And in reality, that doesn't factor in those that are not registered that can't vote. Mm-hmm. And so in, in most instances, the number of people that actually vote are less than the total eligible population in the country. It's in some ways, you say, gee whiz, you'd think people would so be interested enough what's going on in, their, in the world and in their country and whatever that they'd at least make a decision of who they want to be the run of the country, but they don't. Well, th- this election in November will be very telling because, you know, getting back to what I said earlier, if you can't get jazzed up about these elections, I know in Massachusetts... You know, it probably doesn't matter much. You know, Catherine Clark will get elected here. You know, we, we, we elect, we're all Democrats in Congress. Um, but, you know, other parts of the country, it is going to matter So you know, be, because of all that's going on. This will be, if you want to make some changes, if you want to see, if, if you're not happy what's going on in Washington, D.C., you got to vote November 18, and Congress has to change, and, the, you know, maybe the Senate will change, and you'll see a big difference on uh, what ends up going on down yeah. there. Um, I... Um the one one area I think might help voting a little bit, and I'm we don't do it in Massachusetts. We do there's done in other states. They do it. I know in California they do it in Florida. In the primary, all the people run as one slate. Doesn't matter what party you're in, and if you don't get in in in, in Florida, uh, if you don't get fifty percent of the vote in the primary then the top two candidates run against each other. No matter what, yeah. Now, that certainly isn't something that Democratic House and the Senate would sponsor in Massachusetts because naturally when you're in office, you do the kinds of things that perpetuate yourself. But as a practical matter and for the good of the public, that might offer a little bit of an incentive sometimes for people to, to vote, particularly in some of these offices uh, that you see in the ballot. Nobody runs against someone once they're in, uh, except in rare occasion when you go down the ballot, it's just Democrats running unopposed. And um, if you had the two top run, you could maybe have two Democrats. And there, there are sometimes situations where, uh, and it happened to Ed Markey, although it wouldn't have changed much. When he ran, there was a big field. He got about 21 or 22% of the vote the first time he ran. And he had a Republican opponent. But it didn't matter. Now, the, the second candidate was Joe Crokinet, by the way. And uh, he wasn't that far behind, but he was behind him. Now, if the thing had been handled this way, uh, Eddie would probably like to hear this, but if, if it had been handled this w- the way that I'm suggesting, 
in the final election. Who knows what might have happened? And it might have, Eddie Markey might be a footnote. Well, that was Ed Markey before he was Ed Markey. Yeah. He was a rep. Yeah. And Joe Croker, I believe, got in that race late. He had to because he was Toby McDonald's. He was, uh, he was, and I aide. remember that. I mean, anybody that there was anybody in that was in that race. Yeah. There was, uh, you know, Reinstein was in there. McGrail. McGrail was in there, state yeah. senator, Prestia, state senator. Yeah. There was uh, 12 or 13 candidates, I believe. Right. And Reinstein from the Revere. Yeah, so I said Reinstein, yeah. So, you know, Maki lucked out that there was so many people running, and, he, he you know, he won with 21% yeah, of the vote. Yeah, yeah, And another example is they had an election in uh, Florida this year, and um, Price, who was the former uh, cabinet member for, for Trump, uh, because he resigned from the Congress when he got appointed to the cabinet, um, created a vacancy. So they had in Florida, it's a one ballot string of names, and they, uh, somebody from uh, was considered a transplant to Florida in, in recent times, who was a Democrat. Um, you know, crowded field ended up with like forty-eight plus percent of the vote, but a shot of fifty. And they had all these candidates. There were like six Republicans running, one of whom I think was the Secretary of State in Florida. There were half a dozen Democrats, but he got 48-plus percent of the vote, and partly, I think, was because uh, he had a lot of money. A good part of his campaign uh, uh, contributions came from out of state. And I don't remember even his name, and maybe no one else will next year either. But in any event, in the final election— Although we got that many votes in the in the uh, primary, he lost the election. Hmm. Now you'd almost say, "Gee, he got forty-eight percent of the vote. Why wouldn't he been able to get a couple more percent?" Well, part of the reason is there were about six Republicans running, and now you narrow it down to one Republican who second. And it wasn't the fact she was Republican, but she was the second top vote getter, and had a, had a you know she had a resources of her own. It was a Republican district. And she was able to beat him in the final election. And it, it wasn't a, a landslide, but it was uh, not real close either. So, again, maybe with, if we had two running from the from the top vote-getters, if there were le- one less was less than 50%, we might encourage more people to go back into the system. But uh, in Australia, one time, they used to fine you if you didn't vote. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that pretty much covers the election. Now, uh, just to hit on some easy subjects, What's your uh, opinion of the uh, of uh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh getting to be nominated to the Supreme Court? Well, I, I, uh, all all prejudice aside, yeah. um, everything's fair game now. I, I I only have you know what's going on down Washington. It, it's 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 painful to watch, yeah. but I just have two words: Merrick Garland. Obama should have been able to appoint Merrick Garland. He had a year left in his his term for the Republicans to say that. No, you can't. You can't pick a Supreme Court justice because let the people decide in the next election. It was just a lot of bull. So, uh, you know, Gossage was the Gossage. Gossage. He, you know, they got him in because they changed the the uh, filibuster rule, so you didn't need the sixty votes. So now you get Kavanaugh, and I have to be honest with you, the the uh, the, uh, the, the, the the incident with Doctor Ford brought into light to me, not only was the incident bad, but, you you know, he's denying it, she's saying it happened, but his whole uh, personality at that hearing last Thursday, I look at the guy and I'm saying, he shouldn't be a Supreme Court justice. You know, it wasn't the, the you know, crying on the several times, it was just, he was angry, he was insulting, he was disrespectful to the senators. Um, you know, when he, they'd ask him a question, they'd ask him, did you block out to, uh, you know, the senator from Minnesota? He, he was just totally disrespectful, and I just found his whole personality just so odd that, you know, to be honest with you, if, if that's a job interview, you wouldn't hire someone like that. So, you know, I, I, get, I get it falls along party lines, and we'll see what happens. To me, I honestly thought that he would drop out the longer this FBI investigation goes. So I think if it goes beyond on this Friday, maybe he does rethink it. I mean, his, his name is certainly tarnished, um, you know, so he—, he, he but to me, that you know, watching him at that hearing, and how he acted, is certainly not how a Supreme Court justice should be acting. You think he's going to get the votes? I I thought in the beginning. I, I said it doesn't matter. You know, Flake, Collins, uh, Mikowski. I said they'll fall in line. I'm not convinced of it now. I'm not. You know, from what um, you know, all that happened. I mean, obviously McConnell is just trying to rifle this thing through. 
and Flake, you know, he did what he did the other night. Does does Flake go against the Republican Party? I mean, he has nothing to lose. He's not running again unless he's thinking of running in 2020. But, you know, I, I thought – I thought there was a possibility that he wouldn't get the votes, but I also thought there's a possibility the longer this goes, maybe he withdraws his name. Um, my prediction is he's going to get nominated. And the reason he's going to get nominated, I think, is because I think the Democratic senator from West Virginia is going to vote for him. See, I don't have him down as a Kavanaugh. Pardon? I don't have him down as a Kavanaugh. I do. That was the largest plurality for Trump in the election when they get to Washington, they hate to go unless they want to go on their own terms. And so uh, he's in a heated election. The um, uh, the woman from um, North Dakota, she's probably behind the poll, Heidi something. But anyway, I, I, I think that um, – and, and I must say uh, the saddest part about that, and, and I'm going to make a comment that you might have to bleep, that it, sometimes in politics, especially at the high level, it's a who is business. And it's, it's go back to um, – uh, uh, Senator Flake from um, Arizona, he was interviewed on 60 Minutes last Sunday, and he was asked two questions. The first one was, um, did he think if he were running again, he would get elected? And he said no. And then they asked him, if he were running re again, w again, would he have voted th that amendment at the meeting, and he said no. So in other words, it wasn't the right uh, side of the issue. It wasn't the right thing to do. It was being an, a non-candidate in, in November or in 2020, then him voting that way wasn't the, because he was the right thing to do. It was a thing to do because it didn't matter to him at that moment. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting, since then, it's been mentioned that he, you mentioned 2020, Apparently, he's he's one of those people who uh, uh, is thinking of presenting himself as a, as a as a candidate for election in 2020. So, in very likely, if he has any serious thought of that at all, he's going to vote for the guy when the vote comes up. You know, well, you know what's you know amazing to me now. You know what you're saying. It may be may, may end up being true. Uh, I was watching uh, TV and they had the head of the Federal Society. On there, and they're the group that gave Trump the 25 judges. The Federal Society is a very conservative organization. It's a legal organization. They believe in, you know, the free speech, and you know, so so they gave, and they, they asked him well, why Kavanaugh, and he's his comment was, you could have thrown a dot. He goes, we didn't care of the 25. We didn't say Kavanaugh, but that's the guy Trump picked. So for for all the the agita he's causing the Republican Party. You wonder why, because he's not like he's a great jurist or they have to have him on the Supreme Court other than maybe Trump because of his belief in the authority of the executive power, which that's probably something that Trump liked in him because if they'd ever get to the Supreme Court when Bob Mueller's report gets out and stuff like that, it's probably going to be a 5-4 to four vote. Yeah, they said that. And by the way, uh, several of the commentators have offered out that he wasn't Trump's guy at all. He was the attorney... Who's, oh, um, who's leaving the uh, the, the, uh, the the administration? Uh, Sessions? No, Max something or other. But I forget his name. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's uh, <laughs> that's the reason he was he was promoted from inside, which is not unusual. You have to have someone has to sponsor you, and he was. And I think that might be coming to the end of our program. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll ask Greg one other quick thing to really put him on the spot. The Red Sox in, in, the, in this year for the World well, Series. What's happening tonight? The game just started in Oakland. 8 o'clock. Yeah. I, I think either you're getting this this part of the year. Either either uh, series will be tough. I, I, I fear the Yankees more. I think once you get through this series, you got to play Cleveland or, or Houston, which yeah. is another. So they had a great year. Whatever happens, happens. I won't be disappointed. Of course, you want them to win the World Series, but – there's, there's four good teams, five good teams in the American League. Agreed. And uh, uh, on that note, um, I'm inclined to think they won't win, but that's a, but maybe I'm a cynic or a pessimist to start with. But anyway. That could be it from them. Uh, I appreciate you listening, and I, I hope that we provided information that will help you think through the uh, election coming up.